we're here today with another episode of Pillars of Franchising with my co-host Ray Pillar and I'm Fred McMurray and today's our special website launch event day. The PillarsofFranchising.com is live and if you're not listening to it at the site, you can be and we please do next week. How are we doing, Ray? We're doing great. We just got back from Phoenix and I'm glad to be back in the area. I know you're not, but... I understand to be in the area because it, uh, on the day I left there, it was going to be 107 degrees in Phoenix. I don't know if they reached that, but they were predicting it. And so I'm very thankful to be back in this mild, comfortable, 50-degree weather. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about that. I, while you were driving back in the beast, or what, like, what I like to call jumbo kiss party bus, <laughs> I, of course, drove through the desert back to Shell Beach through the 100-plus-degree 100, 100 desert and then flew in here on Sunday morning, 2 a.m., yeah. only to hear the sports report and weather report. And you got to love it here when you can hear it. Gale force winds, rain mixed with snow, and the baseball scores. You know then it's <laughs> springtime in Chicago. <laughs> So, Fred, who do we have here with us today? Well, we have our hockey mom, <laughs> franchise owner, Kristen. Say hello, Kristen. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday. And it is because Kristen, it, to Kristen, our launch, has brought us champagne. We'll post a video of the cork pop soon. <laughs> and our other special guest from Easy Web PC is Steve Jackas. Oh, hello. Hello. See, so we're celebrating lunch. We've got some other people we hope are coming in or calling in. So, Ray, which pillar are we, are, which pillar are we talking about today? The last one. The, you mean the goal? Or, yes. The goal is transitioning your franchise to somebody else when you're willing, ready to go sit on the beach or in the desert or the mountains. Or, Absolutely. For me, it's the beach. And I, I believe, uh, as we talked a little bit about this before the show started, that's something that you start, need to start thinking about right from the get-go, the day you open your door. So are you saying that when you started, you were actually thinking about retirement? I wasn't thinking about retirement. I was thinking about how I'm going to transition into retirement. So that's it. There's this, you know, I wasn't thinking about laying back on a beach somewhere. I was thinking about how is this going to work. Oh, thanks, Kristen. <laughs> Party people. <laughs> Got to fill up those champagne glasses. Yeah. I was thinking about basically what am I doing now that somebody else could be doing, and how can I train them to do that? How is this going to look down the road? So. I, you know, when you start a business, the only thing I didn't actually do when I started Molly Made was clean. But I wore every other single hat there was, and there's a lot of them. So basically, uh, I started out with hiring a manager, and one of the first things I hated doing was scheduling. <laughs> I really hated scheduling because there's, it's so easy to get you know screwed up in that because uh, you got to consider not only uh, what your employees, how to schedule them, one, you know, first clean, second clean, third clean, make sure that they're not running from one side of your territory to another, but you also have to take into consideration uh, the client. When do they want to be clean? 
you know, and sometimes you can't help but running them from one side of your territory to the other because the client wants to clean at a certain time. So one of the first duties uh, uh, the manager did was start scheduling, and that's a very difficult thing to do, as I think Kristen will probably <laughs> testify to. So, Kristen, did you, when you bought the franchise, were you thinking about retiring and, and hating scheduling, or were you slightly different from Ray? I was a little bit different because I began with the end in mind, with my toes in the sand and, you know, wine in the hand. And so, um, yeah, I immediately started thinking about where I was going in the end, <laughs> and not so much who was going to take over, but how quickly they could take over. Um, and I did actually go out and I started cleaning, and only because, as I tell my girls today, I would never ask them to do anything that I wouldn't personally do. I just think that that, for me, is I feel very strongly about that. that I would not want to put any of my employees in a position that I wouldn't put myself Absolutely. in. So um, I think succession planning or, or your retirement planning is really important. And um, it's never too soon to start, whether you start with the end in mind or you start as you go down the road determining how and when and where you're going to be. Are you quoting Stephen Covey? Yes. <laughs> Perhaps in my years of training with the Cubby people, um, I, I, that could have been one of those, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Steve, you, you represent a slightly different viewpoint. When you started your business, did you were you thinking about succession planning or transitioning out? No, I was not. I'm a one-man shop. I'm mm -hmm. not a franchise. And, you know, I still think about it sometimes, whether I even want the business to carry on. Or does it just retire when I retire? You know, to me, there's almost, it almost doesn't make any difference at this point. But educate me. Well, see, how should I look at it? For, for me, I decided that I wanted to live near the ocean, talk to interesting people, travel, hopefully make the tax man eat a bunch of it, and that would be my retirement. And when I look at it, you're retired. I'm already retired, it appears. <laughs> um, so I think I'm ahead of all you. Ah, that said, transition, transitioning has um, recently taken a much larger, um, let's put it this way, about six months ago, a little bundle of joy uh, appeared for my daughter. And so now i got to build the company up much, much larger until we're this global dynamo destroying all our competition and then turn it to her when she turns 22. <laughs> 22 is the magic age? Yeah, that's when she's yeah. out of college, I'm assuming. Ah. And if she's out early, then she's got a couple of years that she can play around. But <laughs> at 22, I'm out of the chair. Good point. I think a lot of people, when you um, buy franchises and you're thinking about the succession planning and the end in mind, one thing that um, a lot of franchisees get into without really thinking about the whole picture is leveraging their current 401k to purchase their franchises. And there's been, um, there's a multitude of people out there that I know that have done that. Mm -hmm. um, and there are different ways you can structure it, right? So you can pay the tax man and pull your 401k to fund your business. You can do these crazy little 401k loan type things. Um, but then those require you to pay yourself back every week. Yeah. And if you're a new business, you may not have the money to even pay the rent, let alone to pay yourself back. And so a lot of businesses in year like two to five that fail, many times you find that it's because they've done this 401k loan and they're obligated to pay themselves back and they just run out of cash. Yep, yep. And then they have to close the doors because yep. they just need another dollar more to keep that. Yep, and they just don't have open. it. Yeah. All right, so you, you've run into, I think, a, a, a transition point there where you talked about they were running out of cash. 
cash. And I know, Ray, you talked about the fact that um, when you're buying, finding the right opportunity, they'll tell you you need X amount. However, you said to me, your recommendation is what? Two to three times whatever the franchisor says. So as an example, if they say, oh, you're going to just need $50,000 and that should get you to the point where, you know, uh, the money starts to roll in and become profitable. That doesn't take into account the, a lot of factors, including a down, slight down, even the slightest downturn mm-hmm. in the economy, which happened to happened to me. Happened to me, and you've got to have the money to keep going. Because if you already, in my case, I had everything invested into this company, so all of a sudden, if the economy turns down, you don't have anything extra. You're gonna have to lose everything, mm-hmm. you know, and that's. And one of the things I wanted to mention about this particular business is the residuals. And uh, I don't know, Steve, is there, are there residuals in what you're doing, or are you just collecting a one-time fee and then, you know, for developing a web page? Uh, I don't know if you call it residuals, but I do have uh, ongoing maintenance okay. for so, certain clients. Yeah. But a, a big part of the business is the upfront, you know, the one-time mm-hmm. getting yeah. to the website. It depends what they want. Yeah, I so I think that's important, you know, for looking for down the road, because simply, you know, they're not gonna. This business is not gonna have me. It's not gonna have Christian constantly on top of it. So the residuals will carry carry the the business over when we decide. I took off for two and a half weeks recently, and to go to the convention and ride travel, the bus, hard, ride, yeah, riding in the bus, and. Business is still here. It's doing fine. It's doing great. You know, and those are the kind of things that you need to look forward to um, when you start the business, so that you know you plan for everything to run smoothly when you're not immediately available. So, Kristen, did you? I know you. We talked on your last appearance on the show about how you you work with a coach, didn't you, to find the right. I did, yeah. We used a broker, and um, basically the process for anybody who's looking at doing a franchise, um, there are brokers out there, whether it's FranNet, FranChoice, multitudes of them. And they basically will do do a skills assessment. They do kind of what I'll call a financial assessment. They'll do an interest assessment, what you enjoy doing, and kind of a lifestyle assessment. And then they put it all together together. And they say, okay, well, based on what you've told us, based on what you've done in the past, based on what you want your life to be like, here are some choices for you. And then from there, you kind of, you know, narrow it down. And one of ours was restoration. Um, We had restoration, we had staffing, and we had maid service. And I've done staffing for way too many years. (laughs) And going into the downturn, really glad we didn't do that. And restoration is the, the, uh, my hair is on fire, my house is burned down, the house is flooded. I don't want that kind of stress, you know, no house is going to be ruined if the floor has a spot on it, right? Mm-hmm. That's not a 911 emergency. It's important. It's not an emergency. I did not want to have a 24-7 business that had to be answering the phone at 2 o'clock in the morning because somebody suddenly had a flood or a fire. Not only that, but you're involved in someone's life at their worst possible moment. Absolutely. <laughs> we like to be in their lives at the easiest possible yeah. moment, right? Yeah. When they're finally to the point where they're going to get help Mm -hmm. to give them more time to do the things they love. The only time I get 2 a.m. calls anymore is if it's somebody European Union client. Uh, (laughs) No one ever complains their Twitter's 
account's not tweeting or Facebook isn't Facebooking mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. or LinkedIn's not linking in. We'll try the restoration business. You no. might have something a little different. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a hardcore. You, you oh, yeah. got to be yeah. ready to go on that. There's yeah. big, big revenues, but it's a, it's a lot to handle. Mm-hmm. We were working for, we did marketing work for a uh, company that will say created awareness for service master franchises. So mm-hmm. um, understand quite a bit of it. Steve, do you get two, 2 a.m. phone calls? No, I do not. <laughs> That's why I got out of the tech world was I was tired of the 2 a.m. Yeah. phone call. Yeah, so have you, did you, either of you buy or was this not um, available then? Because it, you remember Michael Liss, our, our friendly lawyer from Franlaw. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells a couple of stories about clients of his. One of them is my hero that went out and bought, uh, I think it was three GNC um, mm-hmm. existing franchises. Mm-hmm. and. Still works about, from what I hear, 20, um, 20 hours a week, and pulls in 60k a month per store. Did either of you contemplate buying an existing franchise, or was it not available? And uh, in my case, there were none available that I knew of. Okay, um, I did eventually buy an existing franchise uh, after I uh, purchased the. Aurora and Iqbal territory, I, I purchased Plainfield from Lynette Jenkins. Jackson. 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 Yeah, and that uh, uh, was interesting. Interesting purchase because she had purchased the, uh, uh, her territory uh, with contemplation of uh, a lot of growth because in that area it was at that time uh, when she purchased that territory. It was growing a lot because there was a lot of new homes going in. But then when the economy went down to uh, 2009, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's when um, uh, it was funny driving through that area. You see these curves <laughs> and maybe a few street lights, and that was it. No homes. But um, there is a lot of potential in that area, and when, when she decided to sell, she came to me and she said, can you help me? And I says, what can I do for you? She says, I want to sell my franchise. I says, well, I'll help you as much as I can. She says, no, you don't understand. I want to sell the franchise to you. <laughs> and uh, we actually negotiated for about two or three months. We meet for lunch once or twice a week and discuss what she wanted to get out of it and, you know, what I was willing to pay for it. And uh, she did finance part of it and uh, over a five-year period. We had a nice uh, note-burning ceremony. <laughs> if you want. I was champagne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it was really interesting. Uh, I took a video of uh, – we retained all of her employees. And as a matter of fact, we still have, I think, all but one. Wow. Yeah, and that was in 2008 or 9 that I bought the franchise. But I took a video and uh, of her former employee saying goodbye, saying hello and goodbye, and you know, uh, and we went out to dinner, and I presented her with that video, and of course she was in tears mm-hmm. because it was a, an emotional moment for her. So the note had finished, the payoff had been finished, and. Uh, all of her employees were there to say goodbye to her for a final time. It was really nice. So she rode off into the sunset. Yeah, rode off into the sunset. If you have a call, if you have a question, give us a call at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755.
323-580-5755. Kristen, had you thought about buying an existing franchise? I did. One of the um, fact-finding missions we went on when we narrowed down to maid service is um, our broker has suggested that you pick three that you do research on. So whether you do Discovery Day, you talk to owners, obviously you have to take a look at the franchise disclosure document. So we did that, and I did look at one of our competitors' businesses quite seriously, um, but it was not the type of atmosphere that I would have wanted to walk into. Um, his business was not conducive to the lifestyle that I would want for me or for my employees. And uh, after we opened our Molly Maid, he um, closed within about six months. You crushed him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe he crushed himself. But um, mm. we also looked at another competitor. So the nice thing about doing that, when you choose a category that you want to buy into, you have to know your competition. Because I can very comfortably go into a home and tell a customer who says, oh, we've got a couple more quotes. I can very easily say, okay, well, if you call the cleaning authority, this is what they're going to tell you. If you call Maid Brigade, this is what they're going to tell you. And, oh, by the way, we're all within X amount of dollars, mm -hmm. you know, to clean your home. And part of that is because we continue to do secret shops. We always want to know what our competitors are charging. Um, here in Chicago, we all share our pricing on a quarterly basis, so we know are we all kind of in line with each other based on our area. Um, and so I think that the, whatever franchise you choose, the more educated you can be about your competition, about what drives your employees, about the areas you service, uh, the better off you are. Wow, secret shopping your competition. Where did we hear that before, right? <laughs> Kathy Doring. Sorry, um, that's my retail background. No, um, actually, Kathy Doring uh, from Ann Miller, their secret shopper concern. And honestly, that's the first time I've heard somebody say, yeah, we see we people have a secret shop there um, or mystery shop there or competition. I went, hmm. Mm -hmm. That may explain a couple of requests for proposal. Well, I know what the competition does to us. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's just you know what you do. You have to do it in order in order to find out what's going on. Yeah. Out there, you know, basically. Uh, it's important to never put your competition down. I mean, oh, it, never. it would be so I, never, easy absolutely. to say, well, let me tell you what the lady before you told me about that company. Yeah. But that's not big. That's not good business. And, and I think people value the fact that you're willing to say, listen, I get it. I've heard all kinds of stories. Not that I would tell you because it's not professional. You know, they'd like to know that you're not going to mm -hmm. bash your competition because at the end of the day, we're all we're all people trying to, you know, start a small business or run a small business, and we all run into the same challenges. And you're going to have great employees one day, and one day you may not have such great employees. And so um, I prefer to not necessarily uh, reveal the dirty laundry of a, comp of a competitor either, but just to express kind of the nuts and bolts of what I know about them and how we're different. So you're saying you didn't use, like, drones or secret agents <laughs> or um, malware bugs to... Infiltrate yeah, to learn no, more about your competition? No, it's kind of just call them up, have them give you an estimate, or have them give one of your girls an estimate, mm -hmm. and uh, talk to their employees. That's always really interesting. Wow, that's so low tech. Right? Yeah, it works. Feet on the ground, feet mm -hmm. your boots. And, and, and I'm certainly not, we are, we are not beyond saying if the customer says to us, well, I can get it so much cheaper, you know, right. by, you know, uh, my neighbor cut out and I want to charge so much, I say, I want you to go for that. Because is that what you're looking for? If you're looking for a price, then go for your neighbor. Because 
Unfortunately, we'll unfortunately, someday your neighbor might own your home, but that's another story. Oh, I I fully agree with. Um, there's been a couple of potential clients that they said, "Well, we can do it this," and I said, "Go with God, and may He bless you." Yeah. Um, because that ain't us. Steve, have you searched out your competition? Uh, I know what they do. No, I have not hired them to do a okay. page for me. That would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm to actually have someone build a website for me. You have to talk match, if you don't know what you're doing. Match it against my <laughs> skills. Yes. Uh, I do turn a lot of people down, though, that say, well, I, I can only have this, this much to spend, or so-and-so can do it for this amount, mm -hmm. and I'm in the same boat as you. So, well, that is, mm -hmm. you know, good luck with it, but that is not what I'm going to do, not what I'm capable of doing. Not the quality you want for that price. Exactly. You get what you pay for. Correct. When I first went into business, a, a, a friend of mine, a um, gentleman I met, um, actually kind of a mentor, he went out and did a marketing analysis. This was a tech company now, and he went out and did a, a marketing analysis. And he came back and he said, you got lots of competition in Chicago land area. He said, some of it's better than you, some of it's worse than you, some of it's about the same as you. So what I'm going to tell you is ignore your competition, go and focus on being the best you can. Mm -hmm. Now, what I find funny about this was uh, my friend later, I don't know, two, three years later, went off and decided to start his own thing. And he went and took this long, big certification class, I don't know, become a business coach, something like that, wrote a 127-page business plan. <laughs> And the banker fell asleep reading it. And he was out of business within about nine months. Pop goes away for more champagne. So I've always kind of wondered about when people get really hung up on business plans. So I think what you need is more of a marketing plan. Um, but yeah, so interesting, interesting topics there. So we've hit the where we're going to buy and why we're going to buy. And um, work-life balance seems to pop into most franchisees I know. What was your work-life balance, Ray? At the beginning? Yeah. I didn't well, have a life. It was called Molly. <laughs> what, was, what about Molly pushed that, hit that right balance of work and profess, work and and. It was a, a very slow transition. And uh, it, it's hard to realize when the epiphany came that, wow, I can step back even further than I have. Um, because it, it is a slow transition because, like I said, I, from the very beginning, I, I, I had in mind who's going to be doing what. And one of my mentors to my management team was to basically train them on everything that everyone else does so that if if there is a, a sickness, if there is a pregnancy, that it can be filled with no problems at all. Anybody can, you know, fill in anybody else's job quite easily. So I, I would say it probably became more apparent when my wife decided to join the business that it was time, you know, I could cut back a little bit and spend a little bit more time um, doing things. I, and, of course, one of the, the, the things I shed is, uh, would shed with the things I hated doing, <laughs> like the scheduling, you know, like payroll, 
<laughs> I got rid of those. And uh, I was fortunate enough that my, my son um, decided to join the business after graduating from college, and he is our accountant right now, and he's doing an excellent job. So that was a, a huge, you know, uh, relief for me. I still keep my fingers in it. Uh, I believe in the, the Reagan principle, and you know, you know what that is, right? Trust but verify. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's a question for you, and I'll, ask, I'll give you a question. But here's a question for you, Ray. So when you found you could step back, and you knew that everything would continue to run and grow without you. Did you? Was it kind of stressful for you? No. 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 Not at all. Not at all. Because I had confidence in everybody that that I had uh, trained. And uh, uh, in the case of my son, basically, when he came to me one day and, and said, "I'm bored. I don't have enough to do," I said, "No problem, son." <laughs> We've got, yeah, I got Step this, right this, and this, and this I can give you, you know, and uh, I know he's doing a fantastic job because I, I do keep my finger on, you know, everything that's out there and making sure that everything is running smoothly. No problem, no problem. Not, not stressful at all for me. How about yourself? You, you're stepping back so, a little bit. Well, yeah. you're Enjoying your back. family a little more. <laughs> I am, yeah. Your work-life balance. What was it about Molly that made work-life balance? What was work-life balance to you? Well, mine work-life... Mine less than 80 hours. Yeah, mine was very much like that. So I worked um, big box retail as a manager. I worked in HR. I worked in training. And in a business that rarely sleeps because you run overnight crews and things like that, um, and, you know, the alarm goes off at 2 o'clock in the morning. They want to know who blew through the gate at 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. I'm at home in bed. So... To go from that to having a business that was primarily Monday through Friday, only Saturdays, ooh, if you want to, and certainly no Sundays, it also meant I could be home on the holidays. I wasn't working Black Friday. Um, but in the initial couple years, um, even though right after we opened, surprise, baby three was on his way, um, I still worked a ton of hours. I mean, it was a good 60-hour work week. I had to pay overtime to the babysitter all the time. And um, it wasn't until probably year three that I was able to say, okay, I got some staff that was set in place that I was confident they could do their job and I could check in, but I didn't have to be there micromanaging the process all the time. And, you know, we just recently have had my long-term employee who ran the office go out for knee surgery. So we have a new gal in there and going to Arizona was a little nerve wracking. And um, because there are certain things that as a small business, you don't necessarily want people to to get into mm-hmm. if you don't know them, if they haven't worked for you a long time. And mine happened to be the money. So I don't want anyone touching the money until mm-hmm. they've been there long enough and I know they know how to process so much of what Yeah, so I had a lot to clean up when I got back, not to anyone's fault but my own. But I think the most important thing, and it's probably from one of those other speakers I've listened to through the years, is to make sure that you figure out what your weaknesses are and you need to hire to your weaknesses so yes. that you complement one another. Absolutely. Um, initially, my husband and I were both going to be in the business, and so I was the idea person, I was the people person, and he was going to be locked in an office doing numbers all day and data analysis, mm-hmm. right? So in theory, it would work out great. In reality, when you start a new business, if you're fortunate enough to have a partner who can continue to have insurance benefits, continue to have a paycheck to support your family while you're getting on your feet, it's a far easier situation. Um, there have been plenty of people who don't have that and go out on their own or both partners go in at the same time and they make it work. For me, I think the only saving grace of opening in 2007 
right before the crash was that he had his job and we had that part of our lives that were stable um, because I don't know where we would have been actually without that. I mean, we yeah. had to make some really hard choices about our house and where we lived and, um, you know, we don't live there anymore and that's okay mm-hmm. because we kind of reevaluated, you know, do we really want to spend money on the place you live or do you want to travel? Do you want to have good schools or a big house? What do you want to do? You know, yeah. so, yeah. Um, and that happened to a lot of people in those years and I think that, you know, we're not impervious to yet another crash. You never know when that's going to happen. And so when you're looking at a business, to your point, Ray, um, look at a business that isn't a once and done, right? You're not going to call me to come and uh, fix your door jam or whatever the handyman job might be, and then I don't hear from you for a year because I can't count on that income. If I know I'm going to see Sally every Tuesday or every second Tuesday or once a month, at least I know I've got some income coming in. And I think starting a business is really important to understand what your um, what your cash flow is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So then the, the, the question comes to you is that as you got to the point where you realized that you could step back, you, you, the, the business was moving forward under its own inertia and growing and getting faster, and you could, it didn't matter if you pushed at all, it was still going to progress. Mm-hmm. Did you find that stressful? Initially, yes. Um, probably the most stressful um, was last year. We took a week and took my dad to um, London and Spain. And uh, this year, we're going to take a two-week cruise with very limited Wi-Fi and phone capability, I'm sure. And um, I will probably be very stressed. Um, I don't think you know, if you don't have your family in it, like Ray, you're fortunate to have your son, so you 100% trust right, in that. Right. And I do trust my employees. It's different, though, right? Mm-hmm. It's the trust, go verify, it's the inspect what you expect, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to be 100% relaxed until one of my children takes over or someone that I trust unequivocally takes over. That is just not my nature. So... You said, is your plan to have one of your kids take over, or not necessarily take over, because Ray is still fending off people trying sure. to climb into his seat. Um, <laughs> but is that one of your goals, as, to, as mine is, to pass it to a second generation? You know, initially I thought so, um, but the personality of my kids are so different. I mean, my one son, all he wants to do is an NHL star. You know, he just wants to play hockey for life, and... Uh, my other son is very talented and he wants to be a musician and my daughter wants to solve the world's problems. So I don't know where that fits into Molly Bead exactly, um, but I know that they'll all have um, very nice summer jobs to keep them busy. And should it spark any interest and in when they understand that Molly Maid has provided the uh, properties that we visit on vacations, it's mm-hmm. provided the cruises we take them on, it provides, you know, four or five vacations a year, maybe it they will think, hey, this must not be that bad because we're able to do a lot of really great stuff. Yep. But yep. to say to a kid, hey, do you want to own a maid service? They're like, eh, not really. That doesn't sound very fun. Yep. <laughs> yep. If I said, hey, do you want to own a zip line company? Yeah, that sounds awesome, <laughs> right? So. Yeah, it's not an exciting title, but sure. But it's not. 
but it is what you make it, right? It, it it's is. not just Absolutely. clean toilets. Yeah. I will continue yeah. to cite that. I know you love that, Fred. It's not just cleaning toilets. It's how you I, clean them. I never said it was just cleaning toilets. I know. All I ever said was when whoever that was, and you know who it is. Oh, I know. And I still don't know who said it, but when I heard that, I thought, these are my people. They're, they know how to speak yes. truth. Yes, and then you met me, and I just have to go so much deeper into it. Well, There's I, so much more, right? So much Come on, Ray, help me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I think, Fred, you know my employment history. Uh -huh. I was burned by high tech. Uh -huh. I, I've uh -huh. been in the high tech industry. And uh, it, it, it basically everything I, start, I started in and ended in was basically out, outdated, you know, and uh, because high tech became more high tech and even more high tech. So I think my thought in buying Molly made was, wow, I can really get into this, and it's not high tech. It's probably as low tech as you can get. Yeah, but <laughs> the know? high tech people will pay you to do it because yeah. they don't know how, or they that's, don't want that's, that's to, right. or they have the money to deal that's with right. it. You know, and so this has been, you know, a, a successful venture for me in the fact that it's high tech enough that I mean, the software we use right now is extremely high tech, and it's going to get even better. Coming down the road, as they're introduced uh, new the new uh, software, the proprietary software that we use, I mean it is amazing what this software is going to be able to do, and I don't even want to get into it right now because mm -hmm. so you're talking actual computer software, not computer soft, software. not soft soap. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is not a commercial grade product, just so you know. And, and the best thing about, it, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I, I do what I like. I I things I don't like. I give to people things I like. I like to work on our cars. You know, I still change our oil in all our cars. I still do the brake jobs. You know, I have fun doing that. So am I involved in the business? Yes. Am I keeping tabs of what's going on? Yes. But I do what I want to do and yep. I'm having fun doing it. I think that's important, especially at my stage in my life. You've got you've to have fun in what you're doing, and I'm totally relaxed. Do I get mm -hmm. a little stressful when a client complains? Yes, That's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I, I get very stressful because I know that we strive and we do our very best to make sure that our clients' expectations are met. Yep. I mean, we really strive. We bend backwards. We try to make sure that everybody's happy in what we're doing, and of course, when we don't meet that, that's when I get a little stressed out. But I think that 99.9% .9 of our clients are happy. We didn't get the good housekeeping seal for being overall best yeah. value for yeah. nothing. And that, yeah. that's yeah. a fact. We yeah. do have the seal for best value mm -hmm. compared to two of our competitors, leading competitors. Mm -hmm. And um, I think as, as long as every single owner takes every complaint, every you know cancellation, whatever it is, very seriously, you know, there's really not many things that happen that we can't fix. That's right. If yep. given the opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, it's a relationship. I've said that before. When you go in and you uh, speak with a client, and they're not customers. Customers are one-time transactions. They're clients. We hope to be there for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, it is like a relationship. It's your dating at first, right? This yes. is what I like. This yeah. is what I don't. This mm -hmm. is how I like that smell. I don't like that smell. Mm -hmm. And you have to get to know each other and get the right people in with mm -hmm. them and then you kind of set it and forget it for a while mm -hmm. so you have to check in and just make sure things are fine but you can't be you can't be disengaged 
no, to be certain. You no, have to keep your thumb on the business all the time. I used to say that retirement was not in my lexicon, but it is now. <laughs> but uh, not to the point where I think people traditionally think of retirement and that's sitting on a dock somewhere with a fishing pole. <laughs> you know, that's not my idea of you retirement. you got your smartphones spying on the, yeah. on the team <laughs> to find out where they are. <laughs> and with technology today, I can do that. Yep. I can track every car. I can track, you know, uh, the revenue coming in. I can see where the, uh, the uh, money seeing. going out, where it's going. I can see everything. And I can still be sitting on a dock. <laughs> or driving the, the, the kids' supermobile. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. We need that sitting on the dock of the bay music going right now. There, there you go. That's where we're missing Fred. Sorry. I'll have that one loaded into the next show. Yeah, you have to prepare. <laughs> Steve, what's your work-life balance like? Let, let's get the non-franchise viewpoint. Well, uh, I am pretty much all work right now. Uh, however, it does not feel like work to me because a lot of it, uh, it crosses over into social life. For example, um, when the Chamber of Commerce, and I belong to several, mm -hmm. when they have an after-hours event, uh, those people are my friends. Mm -hmm. So it, it, even though I, I guess I'm working during those hours, but it doesn't feel like work to me. And those people are my friends and they, a source of business and future business. So I'm in that... Uh, I'm in that gray area. I'm still trying to grow my business, and I'm still trying to figure out which parts to let go. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I work with a group of, I guess you'd call it franchise consultants, and I posed that question of work-life balance to them, and there was dead silence. And about 60 seconds into it, um, one of our former guests, Mr. Silverstein, said, uh, Fred, we all need some clarification on that. We don't understand the phrase work-life balance. <laughs> yes. Yep. So cracking me up, people. <laughs> cracking me up. So have either of you considered, because I know there, there's Molly May, and Molly May is owned by Dwyer Group, and Dwyer Group owns 17, 18 roughly franchise. It could change clients. any day. And I hope it does. <laughs> um, Everyone knows my goals of talking to all 3,200 of them. Um, have you ever contemplated adding on an ancillary, a, a slightly different franchise? I'm always interested in something that is challenging. I love challenges. <laughs> so if, if something was to present itself to me, and, uh, well, I, I, as, as you know, Kristen, I, I'm on the religious side, so if, if something presents itself to me, as a challenge, I might accept it. So it could be another franchise that's already existing that, you know, is having some problems. I might do something like that. It could be another Molly Me. I don't know. You or know, building a hit radio what, show. What, 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 whatever God has, you know, open for me, I am willing to accept. And you, my lady. <laughs> So I um, am in the same school as Ray in that I would, my first option I think is to continue to acquire Molly Maids that are ready to move on for whatever reason, that would be my first choice. Um, obviously if that didn't happen right now, uh, we're all about commercial cleaning and expanding really under the, under the umbrella of still cleaning, expanding into more janitorial work. Um, 
And next to that, of course, within the Dwyer umbrella, I think that I wouldn't necessarily look at something that's more challenging only because I want to keep the lifestyle. I would look at something that's more complementary. So if I'm already in the home doing a service and I could piggyback, say, window cleaning or I could piggyback carpet cleaning or I could piggyback something else that goes along with what we do, mm-hmm. a grout cleaning. To me, that makes a lot of sense. We, the, the franchisee that I trained with, in 07 had she blew up her son took over their floor care business and while they were under molly maids they had a molly made floor care and he did everything from grout to wood to carpet amazing and he had a very nice side business and income for himself and his family without ever really leaving the molly made brand and i think that even within servicing a house, there are so many more things that, that our customers need, and right now our scopes don't necessarily include those items, and uh, so I would like to work further on that once my commercial side and additional residential areas come into play. Now, the commercial side of things, that's not normal for most Molly boat made owners, is it? No, because it's, uh, the schedules are very different. The um, commitment is a little different in that some buildings require you to work nights, some are early mornings. You know, right now, as I mentioned, we have um, a large complex of buildings that we clean, and our girls have decided they'd rather go in super early in the morning. They work 3 to 10 or 4 to 11, and they're out in time to take a nap, have lunch, make dinner, get the kids picked up from school, do homework. And so, it depends on what need those commercial people have or that building has and making sure that it works kind of in tandem with your employees because then everybody wins. You know, to try to hire somebody who really doesn't want to work, you know, five to two in the morning, let's not force that. Let's find a, a, a solution that works for everybody and then you find two people that are very happy. Absolutely. And I, I, and I think that brings to a point that uh, I think a lot of Molly maids, including my own, uh, we have employees that are, we give them a lot of latitude in their time to spend with their family. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the one thing that I think that uh, we enjoy as, as having a, a family of employees as opposed to just employees. Yep. Um, We've made the point that I made the point earlier that we've had someone come in here and say, "How are you treating your employees? They are so nice as they walk in the door." And and part of that is how we treat, and that comes from the top, mm-hmm. and that also comes from the very top of Molly Maid. And I want to make a comment to, about Meg Roberts, president <laughs> of Molly Maid. I mean, she treats us like family, and I think that filters down into the social fabric of yeah. who we are uh, as a franchise and that makes things that makes the life easier it takes the stress out of things where you know I don't know how to go further with that well you know it's 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 very similar to my uh, to my old retail days in which you know I was again not necessarily um, a real strong female working in a male world world and I mean physically strong but on a summer day or, or a spring day, I would go out and throw 50-pound bags of mulch. I might be dying the next day. But I did it because I didn't want the guys that were simply shagging carts and throwing mulch into a trunk to feel like 
I was better than them. And it's the same thing with the girls. If they have issues, I've been out cleaning with them. Mm-hmm. You know, they sent me pictures of a house the other day, and they're like, oh, my gosh, what do we do with this? And I said, we leave. Oh, you didn't get before and afters? Oh, we did. Okay. Uh, in other houses. This one, there's no after. There, it was it was a flood <laughs> situation. Yeah. Well, that should it should have been a restoration call, not a cleaning call. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, again, you have to remember that if you're in a service business and you send to your point your employees out, they are the face of your company. Mm-hmm. And so do you want them to be happy or do you want them to be disgruntled? I don't want my girls to be disgruntled. I want them to be happy. And the girls who do my janitorial work, love the hours. It was like, hey guys, we got these buildings. Who wants to do it? And they were like, oh my gosh, I want those hours. Great, you win. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's, it's that square peg in a round hole. You know, make sure you get two things that match well, and it makes life so much easier. Yes. Absolutely. So, I, I do have to say, I understand um, what you mean about, you said you, you went and did all the grunt level stuff to start, um, so you understood it, and um, that way people would understand you were one of them. I actually did that when um, I was working at the uh, beef slaughterhouse. Uh, um, I, put, I put the first two head of cattle down to open the plant, and my boss looked at me and said, why do you want to do that? And I said, because everyone else in this place has done it before, and I'm not going to be the city boy. Right. Um, he yeah. goes, Wow, that makes sense. And, of course, I put the first two head of cattle down. You know, but that's not to be confused because I do have people say to me, well, you know, Kristen, if if you're just going out there to show that you're just like them, then what makes them respect you, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's the thing. Well, if you're going to act like them and be like them, then how are you any different? And, you know, my initial response is I find their paycheck. But it's deeper than that, right? I mean, you, you you have to make sure that they understand that, you have a respect for them. Mm-hmm. You know, 90% of my girls are single parents, mm-hmm. and I get that. You know, your kids are sick. You have nowhere to take them. You have to, you can't always rule with an iron fist. And I had an HR manager once tell me, you know, Kristen, the thing with you is you are firm, but you're fair. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay being firm, but fair, yeah. because yeah. firm makes sure everybody is treated respected. the same yeah. and respected and, yeah. and, and treated equally. And fair is just to make sure that whatever you do is well balanced. Mm-hmm. So um, some might look at that as not being a great compliment, but I thought that was okay. It, it, I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I so. feel that you, you have to be firm and, and respected because if you know, people will start stepping all over you and before you know it, you lose control. And that's one of the reasons that, that Mary, uh, our, mm-hmm. our operations manager here, is doing such a successful job because she is very, very firm but she's also respected, and the girls, because she is firm and fair, right. very fair. I mean, we uh, we have a weekly meeting, and I know not all companies have weekly meetings, but we have a weekly meeting, and then we have a, a daily management meeting. And in that daily management meeting, we discuss all the, uh, the good things and the bad things that have happened the previous day. And with... How can we accentuate the good things that have, have happened, and how can we eliminate the bad things that have happened the day before? So, Steve, do you ever find you have to, to go medieval on your team? <laughs> well, the team is just me, and I must say, uh, I am disappointed with my boss on some days, <laughs> and on some days I blame the employee. That marketing manager. Uh, <laughs> But I came from a corporate world, and, and I know very well that the, the way 
I would feel depended a lot on how I was treated from my manager and the managers above. And some companies were great to work for just because of the way they treated their people. And, the, and that is the face that everybody else sees. Mm-hmm. You know, the outside world sees your most disgruntled guy all the time. Mm-hmm. Or I think Saturday Night Live <laughs> said, well, that's not true. All of our employees are very gruntled. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what it comes down to. That's, that's the bottom line of all of it, really. And never lose your sense of humor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think one of the things I want to uh, bring to the forefront, uh, how important marketing is and how important a web page is to today's business world. And I think Steve needs to present to our audience how to get a hold of Steve if they want to create a web page because this is so important in today's mm-hmm. business. Yep. So, Steve, can you tell us how can our audience get a hold of you, what's the best way to do it, and any other information you want to impart to our audience today regarding your your, uh, services? Well, if you are the type that likes to be online and do things that way, uh, my website is EasyWebUSA, and that's the letters E and Z. This comes from my last name, but EasyWebUSA. Because it's easy, and I'm a patriot. So easywebusa.com. You can also call me, 708-966-6872. What was that phone number? 708-966-6872. And the rest is easy. (laughs) All right. So marketing is important. Whoever said that besides me? Oh. Uh, that's critical. Yeah, it's, it's critical. is a good word. Absolutely. It, it is critical. I love these people. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Why is it critical? Because, you know, I'll tell you, I've run into enough business owners that a uh, question I normally like to ask at networking events when you get up to get up and give your little spiel, and um, I'm one of those people who never says much about me. I just ask questions, and I'll ask people. How many of you spend 10 hours a month marketing or networking? And they raise their hand. And I say, how many of you spend 20 20 hours a month marketing? And they raise their hand. And then I say, how many of you spend five hours a month marketing your services so you don't have to network for 20? (laughs) And all the hands go down. So from what I can tell, marketing, which given my tech background, I used to despise, um, marketing is one of those things that it only seems to be useful for people who are already successful. Mm. At least that seems to become the common wisdom of Other, business perhaps. owners who are not successful. So yeah. are you, you can do both um, own Round successful franchises? <laughs> when you said that, we're like, oh, that's wrong. Well, both of you own successful franchises and... and, and Everyone in Molly Maid knows Ray. I learned that the other day <laughs> in Phoenix. You know Ray? I know Ray. He doesn't know me, but I know Ray. He drives that bus. He drives this big, whopping party bus. <laughs> so are you saying you, you bought into the theory of marketing before you became successful? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. What do you think is the most difficult um, part of marketing these days? Ooh. First of all, I think you have to determine your target audience, right? So yeah, that's a given. That's mm. like the duh of it all. 
And yeah, then most you, don't. Right, but you do. And then mm-hmm. it's based on that audience, what is their, um, boy, I had a word on my tongue. It just disappeared. I hate it when that happens. Um, what method do they use to get information? So, for example, now we know, you know, if I'm going to a millennial client, which are growing in popularity, it is definitely by far the Internet. If I'm looking at somebody who's age 65 and up, that's a male piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, much older than that, maybe we do, we have a simple listing in the yellow pages, but when I started, Molly made that up, no matter what, you have to be listed in two yellow books. It has the yellow pages and something else. And I thought, well, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of because who the heck uses the yellow page book anymore? Not me. I didn't. And so we went along with the program, and then finally I said, you know, this just isn't really working. And finally they caught up when Meg took over and said, hey, you know what? You're right. Why throw good money at bad? And so I think the key is to understand what your market is or who your market is, how do they prefer to be communicated to, what is most effective, and it's all about understanding what their preference is. You know, today I have a lot of clients who would love to just text me back mm-hmm. and forth. Mm-hmm. You, they might do a web submit. They might submit on the Internet, but they really don't want you to call them. It's like, yeah. I'm at work. Here's the deal. This is what I want. Just text me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to get to know you unless I decide to hire you. Then that's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. But if I'm not going to hire you, just, just send it in text. we, we got to be yeah. fast, right? And so... I think that's one thing that people underestimate is um, the communication preferences of their potential clients. Funny, I teach a, when I teach the LinkedIn class um, that I teach, I, I tell people in, to put in their profiles the method that they prefer to be communicated with. Because that's why I have Facebook Messenger on my phone, because there's a client or two. That's the only way I can get to her. It used to be you were the only one. Now I've got like 10 people on Messenger, and I'm like, oh, damn, what do I do with this? I don't have a Facebook app. I do have a Facebook Messenger. What about you, Ray? So what have you found in in marketing? That's why I hired you, Fred. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. You're fired. No, no, you can buy me dinner. <laughs> really, he's a wise owner. Now you know why he's number 10 in the nation. There you go. And he is, folks. I met him when he was 14. Now he's 10. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. We, I should say, we, the Mediavine team, are very proud of that. Yes, you should be. Uh, I, I, I believe that uh, I, I know where my assets are in, in what I know and what I don't know. And I like to accentuate what I do know and enjoy what I do know. Marketing is not one of my assets. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't profess to be a marketing genius. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I hire you. <laughs> Damn, think, now I'm a marketing genius. You know, I think, <laughs> well, let's not say genius yet, right? right. Well, oh. Let's not go that far. Oh, but okay. I do want to make a point because I think that a lot of people miss this. Um, a lot of times marketing is not something that is easily measured, right? So we have these beautiful little blue cars that everyone swears are pink because they have pink logos <laughs> running around town, right? True, true. And they swear they're pink cars. And I say, really, I can take a picture. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and we have all these different methods in which we communicate to people to get that in their brains that Molly made is the company called. Molly made, Molly made, Molly made. But it doesn't – a lot of that, when you finally get the phone call, you say, so tell me, how did you hear about us today? I went on the Internet. 
Of course they went on the internet because nobody uses yellow pages anymore. Right. But guess what? It could have been the Molly Maid car that was in their neighborhood for the last six months at the neighbor's house. It could have been the Molly Maid car that passed them during rush hour. It could have been so many other things. And so I think that people have to really stop and think. I mean, I've had several owners ask me, Fred, about media buying. And they're like, well, what do they give you? It's like, well, so let me under, let me make sure you understand. Social media is not something that's going to be quickly and easily measured, right? right? Social media is like this aura. It's like a reputation. It's like brand acknowledgement. It's the warm, fuzzy feeling you get that doesn't necessarily show you hard, cold data, yeah. but you see the engagement mm -hmm. of people. You know, we had that crazy post about the hideous kitchen, and we had almost 11, now we're at 11,000 views and conversations of people talking about this hideous kitchen that we yeah. posted on Facebook at mm -hmm. Molly Made of Bloomingdale, mm -hmm. and they're going crazy about it. They're tagging yeah. each other, saying, this is your kitchen. What do you think of this kitchen? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Mm -hmm. And so just responding to that or sharing it to your friend is saying, oh, here's a Molly Made of Bloomingdale. Oh, here's a Molly Made. Oh, here's a Molly Made, right? And so all these people now across their feeds are seeing Molly Made. And That's that, how social media works. It's like that, these little uh, subliminal messages. And it's the essence of marketing today. It is. You know, it is. Because it, it's not like it used to be. Um, there has been former Molly Maid owners who had thought that the only way to market themselves was the door hangers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. door hangers uh, is much less than 1% of 1%. Now people don't want you to litter. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's going to blow across my neighborhood. <laughs> That's what I would say. You know I'm, what? How often I use my front door? Never. I, I will say with respect to the yellow pages, I did see a survey of, uh, was in, they did it in Kansas City, and they want, walked around um, the day after, I believe it was, that the yellow pages were um, um, distributed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they found over 70% of them never made it in to the house. They yeah. literally got recycled their trash. Yeah. I mean, that was really kind of telling there. Yeah. It really, it if you want, I mean, I get it. That's their income stream or revenue mm -hmm. stream for them, but they would be better served, as I said to my Yellow Pages guy. Listen, mm -hmm. focus on the internet for me, and then I'll talk to you. Mm -hmm. But for you to kill all these trees and waste all this paper, mm -hmm. and I'm not young, okay? I'm not in the younger group. I'm certainly mm -hmm. not a millennial. And uh, if I'm not doing it, the people younger than me aren't doing it. Sure. I maybe use it as a doorstop once or twice, but it goes right mm -hmm. to the recycling bin. Yeah. My kids know if you see that, just go put it in the recycle bin. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to open it. Mm -hmm. Plastic bag and all. There it yeah. goes. Yep. What do you see, Steve, in, in marketing? Well, I'm a short guy, so the yellow pages is kind of a booster for me. <laughs> uh, we should do a seven uses of the yellow pages well, when I, you're not reading them. I actually have uh, a client of mine is a printer, so he, he's got clients, so they're not direct clients of mine, but his clients do seminars for seniors, and it's... Uh, retirement plans and, you know, what do you do with your Social Security, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So they do postcard mailings because in that age group, you know, yep. that's, that's where his target market is going to see a lot of that. And bigger is better. Right. But he's mm -hmm. also smart enough to say, well, you know, maybe their, maybe their sons and daughters want to you know, push them off into this seminar. So every time the postcard gets mailed, 
I do a corresponding web page. It's just a quick landing page mm -hmm. that lets them sign up online mm -hmm. for the people that don't answer the card. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to have the two-pronged approach to the marketing. And I think that's great because, you know, really the jumbo postcards or postcard is great because you can, you can increase the size of the text. Once I hit 40, I can't even see a yellow page listing without extra cheaters on, in addition to my contacts, right? I mean, that's just the reality. Once you hit 40, it all goes downhill. And so um, I think that's great to do a web page for the children, mm -hmm. the postcard for the people who really their vision is a little bit jaded from what it used to be. Nothing wrong with that, but so that you really have a good connection because I'm sorry, Dex, it's just not my thing anymore. It's just... Yep. Yep. I just can't see it. I think one thing that needs to be brought to light, though, is that really all marketing media is important. Yep. I'm still doing coupons. I'm still mm -hmm. doing mailers. Yep. And uh, it's all getting your name in front of the client. And they may not purchase on the mailer. They may not purchase on the coupon. But guess what? It's in their head. And now where are they going to go? When they want you, they're going to type in your name or something similar to that on the Internet to find you. That's why it's important to, as, what Steve does, and that's making sure that everything is, that is on the Internet is something that uh, in, in my earlier years, basically, you want to make sure that uh, in journalism that you, within the first couple of sentences you captured the audience. So that's what needs to happen in, uh, on the web page. You need to capture the audience immediately uh, on your web page, and maybe you can get into some detail later on towards the bottom, but you need to capture that audience so when they are looking for you, they have uh, uh, that in their mind, that what, we're look, what they're already looking for, because it, it's been presented to them on a car, uh, on a card that's come through, on a coupon that's come through, and they've seen the logo, so now, immediately, when they type in the, the, the word cleaning service or Molly made, that they uh, see that logo in front of them you know, as soon as they type it in. So what you're talking about there is what's called the zero moment of truth. <laughs> and it was a phrase designed if, or coined, if I remember right, by a guy named Matt Cutt at Google. And the zero moment of truth basically says is that when somebody goes to search on the Internet, you won't need to be top of mind already, mm -hmm. so that way they're searching for you as opposed to the generic equivalent. Yes. If they're searching for the generic equivalent, odds are you've lost. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that no matter all the tricks and tactics and strategies you got, it's still far better if somebody's searching you for by name rather than totally. the generic. Yes. yes. The first time, two times I called you, you never called me back. Now, I can't complain about that because I screwed up and I was actually calling the merry maid <laughs> who had an ad up there. And, and they I, didn't call you back. And they didn't call me back. Oh, did they make a mistake? <laughs> yes, I think so. So, all right. So, since we're talking about marketing channels, and, and obviously we believe in using multiple marketing channels and integrating them, um, I have to ask you about signs. Now, Ooh. Molly maids have their mobile signs that all the cars are out there and, and they shoot 
they shoot rockets and, and have, oh, well, maybe not. No, but got all your you cars. hope they don't, because we got a big mechanical problem. <laughs> it's kind of cool, you know, shooting flares. Yeah, on. yeah. yeah. I, I Sounded like I a did. Harley Davidson going down the road in my little Toyota. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, so my dad would love that. Besides the the um, the car wraps, which I, I've always thought was very cutting edge, how do you guys feel about signs, external signs? Have you ever gotten clients because they saw your sign and stopped in. Can't say that I have. No, I don't have any signs anywhere, to tell you the truth, yeah. other than the cars. Now, I have had people stop in, but it's because they looked me up and they figured out where I was. And this mm -hmm. gentleman said, mm -hmm. hey, and luckily, I mean, it was, it was great because, I mean, everything was nice and calm. The phones weren't going crazy. And he walked in and we said, hey, how can we help you? You know, come mm -hmm. in and have a seat on the couch. And he's mm -hmm. like, ah, I want to talk about service. And I'm like, great. <laughs> you know, and, and, but, he had looked us up and he wanted to come in and yeah. see what we were about versus yeah. just calling and say, hey, come to my place. Yes. He wanted yes. to get a feel for what we were about instead. But maybe in 11 years, on one hand, I could count the number of times people yes. stop on my office. That's true. You may be referencing the office in Cook County that has a nice, yeah. big, brilliant sign on the side of the freeway. And we all oh, love yeah. her for that. Oh, yes. And the, she paid for that. Yes. But um, typically, going into your cleaning service office isn't a destination that people go to. No. It's no. not like, I'm going to stop by and check out the cleaning service. It could have been a secret shopper. Could have yeah. been. Yeah. They would have got yeah. more information uh, on the phone. But, you know, I have gone by our competition, which is mm -hmm. interesting, and their building fronts look really nice. But mm -hmm. when you pull up, as I did last night to check one out, <laughs> um, it was just a wall of drywall. Mm -hmm. So there's a door. So literally, you walk two feet in. To get to another door, so you drive up, you see nothing. Yeah. In my office, the lights are on; you can see right through. It looks like a, a kitchen and a living room, and then there's some desks off to the side. And mm -hmm. not that anybody really goes there again, but um, I think it depends on the type of business you have. It depends on if you are in a prime area that you depend on a sign to help you market. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Yes. Like where you are. We can't. We can't put really a sign up. Sense. No. No. I could. I mean, I can't put it on the building. I have a little placard, mm -hmm. but we have little now hiring signs. And mm -hmm. I mean, our cars really make a presentation yes. better than any billboard. I mean, you I drive by my place and now and you're by yours. Yeah. yeah, you see them in a parking lot. It's like, wow, a sea of Molly mm -hmm. made cars. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. They leave in the morning. You see it's literally a parade of Molly made cars leaving the parking lot. Mm -hmm. um, but to buy just a sign, I don't know. Somebody actually asked me, hey, what do you think about putting up a billboard? And I'm like, so here's the thing, you know, right, because I have to, that would be something that for Chicagoland, we have 15 businesses. Ray and I are not by really any freeways, but it would make sense. No. But we could certainly, for um, for uh, brand recognition, go in with yeah. some of the people who are near the freeways to say, hey, let's put up a, a billboard on 294 south of O'Hare that says, hey, are you exhausted? Don't clean the house. Call Molly Maid. All right. You know, that would make sense to me, but not in every area or every town is a sign possible. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. You might not like that answer. But no, nice. actually, I just think you're dead on. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a story soon. Steve, car wrapper sign for you. Uh, I actually use a sign. It's for trade show type of events mm -hmm. where I am assigned a table or an area to cover. So I, I get three... Uh, PCs going with different moving screens on them, but then I have the big pull-up sign that's six feet tall. And I've learned, don't put it behind the table where the <laughs> bottom two feet get locked out. 
I actually put it on top of my table no. if I have enough room, you know, ceiling room. Uh, I haven't tried the car wrap, but I know that it works because I know a guy that lives by his car wrap. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that definitely works. Uh, we do get a lot of phone calls from people saying, I'm behind one of your cars right now. Yeah. And I know you come here because I'm behind you. Yeah. <laughs> I also believe in a tire having my name and my company name on my shirt. Now, I'm not mm -hmm. wearing it today, but I've got a couple shirts like that and I want to order more. That's a way to market without even knowing your marketing. You know, mm -hmm. I forget I have the shirt on even sometimes. But people see it, people notice it, and uh, that way, they're, when they do go to Google, they're looking for mm -hmm. the easy part. So, if you have a co uh, question for one of our guests, 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Next week's guest will be Jane and Bern Costa. They own a uh, platinum level top 2% UPS store. And they'll be coming and talking about Kristen's hated topic of couples working in a franchise. <laughs> it just didn't work for me. I'm not saying it doesn't work for other people. Do you, do you really know? Have you tried? No, I haven't really tried. So I can't really judge. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, you know, it's so good to have, like, away time. Mm -hmm. But actually, really, quite honestly, if we put our talents together, we could probably do amazing things. Yes. But it is nice having insurance paid for by a corporation. It's yeah. nice having a regular paycheck. We'll and, you know, so it's a little different to that. But I'm not – we made a deal that when my business hit a certain point, he would be allowed to retire mm -hmm. and come into the business. And he's a little close to retirement than me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he might listen. I don't know. And so um, I don't want you to think that I think that's a bad thing. It just <laughs> – you guys are setting me up here. There are times There are times it is good to have safe distance, and there are times that the Mars-Venus, as my dad always says, do not align. So – uh, so back to the science of it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll pick you up quick there. Um, we actually, uh, actually yesterday started a new client. Um, he called a couple of weeks ago, and I said, well, he was actually in the area of the office. And he said, I saw your sign. And I went, hmm. oh, my God, I think you just violated my number one, one of my top tenants of marketing. <laughs> And he said, well, what's that? And I said, don't put up a sign. No marketing companies <laughs> ever want a client because they said, I saw your sign and liked it. And luckily, he started laughing and goes, no, I found you online first, and then I saw the sign. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes, there you are. Um, and early I on, thought maybe you just didn't hear him properly. No, no. Uh, <laughs> he's one of those people that, um, he's a lawyer. I listen. Very detailed. I, 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 my two goals in life are to stay away from lawyers and doctors. Mm. Stay away from jail and hospitals, and you'll live a longer, happier life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, true. <laughs> that said, they want to come and pay you to help you them find you find them other folks. I'm all down for that. So, okay. um, the signs is something. When I first started my own, my first tech business, I ran into a couple people that were signs, and their phrase was, "A business with no sign is a sign of no business." And the last eight years, we've spent pretty much proving that wrong. However, it was jarring to find out somebody actually did see the stupid yes, sign. Yes, 
That's your online retailers, how many signs they have, right? Hey, Amazon. The world changes, right? It's crazy. It really does. When you look at the fact that, um, as I've been teaching LinkedIn classes in California, um, (laughs) I realized that I actually got into LinkedIn in October of 2003, which means I've been in it almost 15 years. So I started. I didn't know they had a LinkedIn then. Yeah. I was in on one of your early, <laughs> early beta. He says he found me on LinkedIn. I found you because of LinkedIn. Oh, okay. The yeah. way I found Ray was one of our radio show hosts, a guy named Ivor Keller. If you're, if, if Ivor's out there listening, he's in St. Albans, UK. And he was on a radio show, and he introduced me to um, a marketing consultant in, um, at that point, I found it was Malta. Yes, yes, Irene. Yes. <laughs> I, Irene. And she said, you're in Chicago? And I said, yeah. She said, yeah, Clayton is Chicago. Where is it? And I said, where is he? In Naperville. I said, I'm 20 minutes north of there. So she set up me up the appointment, walked in. Ray said, you're not going to sell me Twitter, are you? <laughs> and I looked at him, and I said, no. Well, you know you got negative Google reviews and he said I have Google reviews <laughs> and I said yeah and some of them are negative and he said I have Google reviews <laughs> and we've been together ever since yes well I recall the first meeting you did with with our group when our whole group was like why oh, is this guy up to everybody's immediately suspicious when you walk in the door right like, like oh, okay what are you selling to me and that's it's really challenging because as a small business, you have such a small amount of time, mm-hmm. and you get so many soliciting calls, and it's so easy to just say, oh, voicemail, voicemail, voicemail. Mm-hmm. But you have to be careful because every now and wa- now and then, you get the diamond in the rough, like Fred yeah. here, yeah. who can do great things for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you continue to hang up on him, well, you might just miss the best thing could have happened for your business. I, I think Fred and I, Fred and I hit it off at, uh, because we kind of meshed this in relationship with mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how to, how to describe it, but basically, you know, you, you begin to talk to somebody, and all of a sudden, yeah, we kind of like this guy. <laughs> he's know. kind of not going away. Yeah, and, and he's not going away. Yeah. <laughs> one of those bad pennies that keep coming back. I like kept in his car last. Night. <laughs> I like uh, are be- you going to tell everybody how your our first kind of meeting was about your car? Oh, oh no. The, the car one. is going to die tomorrow. The car, right? Saturday, right? the car goes away. Okay. And I was thinking about that today. I got out of the car after I got lunch. I got four steps away and went, oh, my God, I didn't do that, did I? Luckily, I did not leave my keys in the car. But there was one meeting there that Ray and I had, and I... Actually, in my unlockable keys in my car, lock them in. And thanks to Ray, I was able to get them out. And while I've loved my Prius hybrid for all the time, the 10 years I've had it, I think I've locked the car keys in at least three times, which, again, they're unlockable keys. Yeah, not quite. I think it's because you're ignoring your car. Yeah. You've left yeah. it behind. Yeah, but most of the time... The last time I actually uh, got locked out of it was on a trip up to Ann Arbor in the snowstorm right as on. it was parked at a gas station. So as Fred says, oh, on Friday, that car's going up for sale. Not Saturday, which is cool. <laughs> I said, you know, I think every time you've come to town and you come to my office, 
there's either a story or like evidence that you've been left on the side of the road or the car broke down. One time you're like soaking wet and you're coming out of breath and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> that car! And he goes on and on. So that's for the Prius. I think is that that's fitting for today. We'll have to have another cocktail for that. I'm fine with that. I, I will miss the car. It is, it is. Got me 140,000 miles. I um, would say I love Toyota and I buy it from you, but because I know it's background, I don't think yeah, I would. not so much. <laughs> Believe me, I wouldn't. But, you know, uh, going back to uh, our relationship, uh, you know, uh, I, I think I like to use the word genuine. And you've always, I've always felt that you were a genuine person. And that's what I look for in a vendor. Because you He's need a yeah, you need a relationship I, I don't know that, is, that is <laughs> that is genuine and honest mm-hmm. uh, and and not you know something that's pretentious. Yeah, don't let somebody be nice to you because you're paying them. Because yeah, yeah, you could pay anyone really to be nice to you. Mm-hmm. Well, not yeah. anyone, but some well, people you could pay. Most people are in charge of being asked. <laughs> I will. I'm that way. I'm a pain in the ass. I know it. That's why people like me. <laughs> Yeah. So, I, I, and one other thing I, I, I need to mention about Fred is it seems like when we get together, the idea just begins to flow freely. And, and it's something kind of unusual with me. I don't let ideas flow freely unless there's someone what? that, well, well, I with, with you, it out with, in you. With, yeah, with you, <laughs> the, the ideas begin to flow. And it is kind of unusual. And uh, I felt that you and I, Fred and Kristen, ideas begin to flow easily, and that's what you want mm-hmm. in a business because to be innovative, to be successful, you need innovation in marketing. And yeah. I, th- I think that is one of the things that uh, Fred and I have in common is that be- ideas begin to flow uh, in, uh, mutually. Right. And that's important if you're looking to buy a business. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a business partner that you have, it's mm-hmm. a business consultant that you have, a marketing consultant that you have, find somebody who brings out the creative side of mm-hmm. you that maybe doesn't normally exist. Yes, yeah, and and that and that is definitely true in my case. It doesn't yeah. normally exist, but you know there are people that you meet. All of a sudden, you begin to have these ideas and these thoughts that you can see it, right? You, yeah, it's it begins vision. to bloom. So, Fred, you're blushing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm having a problem here, folks. I'm very so. We may have to here. take a time out. You're going to cancel your fee next month, is that right? <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm right. What, now that I know how much you love me, I'm going to triple it. What, we're uh, gonna go there. what trip are we taking next month? <laughs> Dallas. Yeah, I know. I'm going to go to Dallas again. We're going to Dallas in September. Yeah. I've already been to that place. Who cares? There's 2,000 of you folks there. Yeah. We need to sign them all. No, that's what you need to do. Yeah. And I who's, don't. Who's going to bird dog them for me? I haven't Are you going to pay for my trip? You sign enough of them for me, I will. Oh, I already got one. Of course, we got a party bus. We can go all drive down there. You go. I'm there. We're going to drive down by a party bus? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Come on, people. Call in. Who wants to no, go? This is the Dwyer group. This, is, this yeah. isn't 250 Molly's getting We call it the reunion. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh-huh. about two to three thousand. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I know it sounds interesting, right? There you go. Steve, you ought to go down there with your web design shirt on, and you never know what you might I, find. I can wear a shirt, and uh, I might even deck out my car. For I like think that. that's highly recommended. We all have decked up cars. 
Yeah, I got to think about that. I'm putting a wrap on the, the new car. Yeah, not the Prius. <laughs> that would really suck. The Prius broke down on the side of the road with me. Hey, 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 for a fee, I'll put a wrap on the bus. You know? Ooh! You know, but I'd have to take a huge ass loan to get the enough to get it wrapped on that. What I don't know is why you haven't put Molly made on it so that way it's all tax deductible. Yeah, right. I tried. I tried. I tried. You know, Did you? I asked my accountant. And he said no? No. No. What, what if, if you hauled us all down? They're all 15 of us. Then, then if I can find, I, I even talked to Meg. You know, yeah, is there any right. way we can right. you know, work yeah. a visit? Put it in commercials? Yeah, you know, but, uh, you know. So instead of wrapping it with Molly Maine, we wrap it with pillars of franchising. And we interview franchisees all the way right. down and back. Anything we just have it every McDonald's. Right? No, and every no, no. <laughs> uh, you don't like them? I love Culver's. Culver's is fun. My guy in Schaumburg, Jim, he's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. So Subway. I, I'm, I'm down with the I'm down with the Dallas trip. That one got me. I think you I, should get Fred to go half these on you. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Come on, Fred, you know you're in. <laughs> I love colors of franchising. By media line, right? I'm the one who came up with the freaking he, name. He did. He did. All the more reasons. He's the innovator. He's my he, mentor and my guinea pig. <laughs> guinea pig. All in yeah, one right. Good thing you're all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> it's the California thing, although they say, you're too damn Chicago and you're a pain in the ass. And I say, <laughs> yuck. I'm a Shifornian. <laughs> That means I can annoy you in woo-woo terms. <laughs> Get things done quickly. Exactly. I No, I don't. The rest of the media buying team does. I'm too busy out talking to everyone else. <laughs> All right, we got sidetracked. We got sidetracked. So back to marketing. Let's, 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 actually, no, let's talk about sales. Um, because mar- we always talk about marketing, and everybody assumes that marketing means that um, it's going to click so many sales in there. And as you said, Kristen, it's more about creating brand awareness and yep. And putting yourself at the top of mind when people are ready to go. How do you do sales? How is it just your that they're just you're waiting for them to come in, or do you go out? How what non let's say let's what non marketing form of business development do you do as owners? Mm, non marketing. Well, so well, we don't ride in bicycles in the neighborhoods and pass out flyers. That's not what we do. No. I mean, it, do you buy uh, a monkey to do that, right? No, we don't make it like little lemonade stands with a molly meat on them. I mean, I don't know that we do much in terms of non. Well, okay, so the the term traditional it sounds very old school, right? Yeah, because we're not, is probably the only non-marketing thing that we yeah. do. Yeah, and those are but, the best. You're a member of the Naperville Chamber. Well, mm-hmm. yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am, yeah. as well as the Aurora. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got two chambers, mm-hmm. and you're the head of the PTA. <laughs> yes. And Bloomingdale uh, Chamber. Uh, yes, Bloomingdale Chamber. Yeah. What else? So these are, to me, these are not. Well, there, you, you have to. Yeah, I guess if you want to look at it that way, yes, you can look mm-hmm. at all the different things. You know, Ray's also highly involved in his church, right? Mm-hmm. I have PTA. I have baseball. Mm-hmm. I have hockey. Hockey. Two hockey teams. And I have. Ground. Ground. Right. We'll get there. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that topic. Right. I work with my daughter's Rotary Club. I mean, the, I'm the board of the Ms. Molly Foundation. If you want to consider them non, thank you, um, non-traditional forms of marketing, sure. Mm-hmm. To me, I guess naively, I don't think of them as that way. I just think of them as that's the kind of person you are, and yes. anything yes. that you happen to get on the side is 
a bonus, right? Yeah. Because, and I believe that the way you live your life in that way, if it comes back to benefit you, woohoo, great. Yeah, that's great. Otherwise, you yeah. do it for your own sense of feeling good and getting, giving back to the community as well. Absolutely. Yeah, 13 days. Yeah, no. What are you talking about? James 2, 13 to 18, but that's for those who are. He's quoting scripture. Mm. Scripturally based. I'm sorry, I couldn't read that. Um, so for me, it's just about doing the right thing mm-hmm. for the right reason, right? Being a good person, well, more of a humanism you, approach. Why join the chamber? Because um, I, I, I will tell you in past, but I've worked closely with chambers. Mm-hmm. And what I tend to find, and I hope no chamber in the Central Coast is listening, um, <laughs> these are talking about joining one, but what I tend to find in them is that um, if they were drowning and you threw them a life preserver, not only would they throw it back at you, they would spit at you for trying to help them. Is That means you're a non-member? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, But if you're a member... They still do, but that's the second point. <laughs> See, I, I don't find that. I find that if, if we're a member of the chamber, um, they're, they're great. I mean, the Bloomingdale, Bloomingdale Chamber is really great to us. You know, shame on me because I don't spend a lot of time at their leads group and their um, Bloomingdale area women of business. Uh, because quite frankly, I just I, I'm at capacity right now. You know, um, it, it, once work is out for me and I go to baseball and I go to hockey, and it's 9:30 when I get home. I'm done. I can't go hang out at a restaurant to network necessarily because I'm spent, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to go there if if I really just want to be in my pajamas in front of the fireplace. Well, and, not only that, but networking does not work. I don't think in our business. Because yeah, it's you, hard. You, you, you can't you can't target just onesie twosies. It's not like if you're an attorney, right, uh, or you know, or something like that. Because you know onesie twosies could be resulting in thousands of dollars, you know, a one-time fee. But we're looking at uh, appealing to a mass market as opposed to onesie twosies. And that mm-hmm. networking is great. I've done a little bit of that, uh, and uh, it's nice to. Commiserate with different people, different businesses, <laughs> but it's I like not, the commiserate. it doesn't it doesn't really produce the kind of business that uh, that we need, uh, you know, for what we do. Yeah, I agree. I think it really depends on the type of business that you happen to have and or purchase. Um, my accountant does a ton of of networking, and it works mm-hmm. great for her. Yes. It, it is like everybody knows who she mm-hmm. is. She was like chamber member of the year. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is great, mm-hmm. right? But for me, it doesn't um, – and you have to have the personality. And I could certainly, you know, have mm-hmm. the personality if I needed to have. Not that I have it right now, but <laughs> if I had it, um, I could. But it's just a matter of for the amount of time that you spend having lunch, could you have gone out and met with two or three different clients mm-hmm. face-to-face and really form a relationship versus mm-hmm. passing your card out to 25 people and maybe you get one call who's wondering if you offer a discount because you're in the group. Mm-hmm. You pass your card, though? Well, you should, I'm told you never go anywhere without a card, right? Yeah. And one guy actually I met on, on um, Mother's Day? No, 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 no. What was the other holiday? Valentine's Day. Yeah. Valentine's Day, I met him in a line of jewel, and he had this beautiful bouquet, but there were some dead flowers, and so I was kind of you know, chatting it up with him, as I typically do, just courtesy of my dad. He does it all the time. Yeah. And uh, 
I said, oh, you know, those are really nice. He's like, yeah, you know, I got them for my mom. She's in this assisted care, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, well, that's really nice. I'm like, can you believe, like, I got these for my office ladies. I bought them bouquets. And I was commenting how, like, last week they were, like, $10 cheaper than the day before Valentine's. Mm. And he said, well, you know what I have to tell you? For my mom, it doesn't matter what the price is. I'd spend any amount of money. Yeah. I'm like, you know, that is so nice. I wish more people felt that way. I can't wait for my kids to grow up, and they better feel the same <laughs> way, right? And so then he's like, so what do you do anyway? He saw my shirt, and then he took my card. And so uh, he and I have some discussing to do because he's got some buildings. Lo and behold, here I am. I had no intention of talking to this guy about cleaning. I just thought it was really cool that here he is. His mom is probably, I think he said, like 89 or 90. And even with dead flowers, he was willing to spend like $85 at Jewel for this bouquet of flowers to take to his mom because every Valentine's Day, he was for Valentine's. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so sweet, right? Okay, but and, and, I, and, and what you just quoted there was a perfect example of Ivan Meisner saying, as long as you respect the venue, you can network anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I truly believe in that. Mm -hmm. But... You carry business cards? I know. Sometimes they may be a little tattered if they were in a baseball or a hockey bag, <laughs> and I have to explain myself. And But okay. we just do the best we can, Yeah. what you have, when you have it. So, Steve, you're a member of a chamber or two, right? Correct. Which one? Chimney uh, Park. Okay. Jimla. West Suburban Chamber of Commerce, and also the Bedford Park Clearing Industrial Association, mm. which is a chamber without chamber in the title. Mm. So which one do you find is the most profitable for you? So you, you want me to, to bat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fred's on the floor right now, just waiting. <laughs> This is, this is that, like, setting you up. And the political answer is, they are all. Mm -hmm. I value them all equally. So I will say, we've been looking at joining the chamber in, in, in uh, the Central Coast of California, and there's the big one. And, and mm -hmm. um, we've actually been a member of that before. Um, Michelle was there before I got moved out. She was a member of that one. And, and then there's the one that's. We're in Shell Beach, so it's the Pismo Chamber, and there's this other dinky one um, that we've been looking at. Um, <laughs> and and what we find is the one we're most gravitate toward is the dinky one because people, it's small enough, they seem to talk a lot, and the last event we took three leads out of it, whereas the big one, it's like, I almost feel like I have to have a paintball gun <laughs> and shoot people at, at events because there's 60, 70, 80 people at the event, and yet they're all in these little clicks. And mm. then again, I'd like to take a paintball gun to any chamber <laughs> event. And I have to say, Fred, so our relationship actually started well before I knew you, if yeah, you recall. It was a group of 15 women networking in which I met Michelle. And over the time, I kind of stayed there and think, she you guys had transitioned uh -huh. less. She transitioned And west. so it was all of a sudden like she wasn't there. And then I met you. And I'm like, wait a second. I was sending your office an email, and I just sent it to Michelle Rumpel, and I'm like, Michelle Rumpel, how do I know that name? <laughs> and then I talked to Tina, she's like, don't you remember she was in our DPWN network group? And I'm like, oh, that's where I know her. So I actually met I know. Michelle, who's there. So networking can be very good. I agree with you. 
you have to be in the right group. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that you accomplish what you're looking for in that group. And before you sign up for a really extensive group, which has just a few letters to it, make sure that that and being careful, make sure that that group offers the type of members that would be conducive to your business, because not all of them are. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and what you just hit was um, uh, my buddy Mike Bowler once joined the Neighborhood Chamber, and I said to him, you're going to want to get in one of the referral groups. Mm -hmm. And he went and he checked out the first two, and I said, you don't want to be to see one, because I've been there, down that road before, and B to C, then everyone got a different different sales cycle funnel and different needs and um, the wrong client base. And he didn't listen and didn't bother to get into the B to B groups, and yeah, that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So I, I fully agree, making sure, and I've literally taken it that next step of um, rather than joining something else, I went off and built my own with <laughs> service providers of franchisees. Okay. Sure. Well, and you know, honestly, franchisees, if you're in a franchise organization that allows you to make choices, yes. it's a great gig because there's a lot of franchisees out there that have limited resources or guidance, yeah. right? Yeah. I think we're very fortunate in, in our group that we have a lot of guidance. And in the past, particularly, we've had very, um, very few things that were required, meaning that they would make the choice for you. Um, they're becoming a little more like we highly, strongly recommend mm -hmm. that you use this one. Um, but, you know, one of our competitors that I had interviewed um, a franchisee for buying his business, as we referenced earlier, um, there was only one, one required marketing strategy. And guess who owned the print company that produced that? The brother of the franchisor of the company I was interested in buying owned that that brother owned the print company. So you were forced to spend X thousands of dollars a year to pay the brother to print the marketing that would then be mailed to your potential customers. Mm. Like that right there, just if it doesn't feel right, doesn't sound right, doesn't seem right, it's probably not right. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the strikes against that particular competitor that I was not interested in going. If you're going to force me to use something, and oh, by the way, it's your family member, <laughs> let's be real. At that point, it's not necessarily what is the best marketing. It's the most profitable for your franchisor. So you mm -hmm. have to ask those questions and make sure you're really digging into, you know, if you're going to require me to use this, why? You know, mm -hmm. we've got things now coming down the, the, the pipe that is, you know, we really highly recommend you use this. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Well, it turns out they get a break, meaning the franchisor, and oh yeah, well we get a rebate too at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. But who actually makes more money? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So maybe I make ten bucks off the deal. They mm -hmm. make twenty. Yep. So I can choose to use them. Or I can choose not to use them. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to really, if you're buying a franchise, you have to be educated about it. You need to to really learn, read, talk to people, mm -hmm. and hopefully you get honest information because there's yep. a lot of crazy stuff out there if you're not careful. So I want to I go back and touch, this is one of the pillars um, that we've isolated is building the community. Mm -hmm. um, I've talked to enough of franchise owners and that seems to be um, a, I won't say it a universal, but let's put it this way, it's the majority of uh, 
feeling of the franchisees I've worked with is they want to give back to the community. And I know both of you are very strong in that. Ray, you work with mutual ground. Mutual ground. I always want to say common ground. Why did you pick mutual ground? What is mutual ground? Well, mutual ground is, the, it's, uh, I guess you could call it a local safe house. Uh, and what it's really about is domestic violence awareness. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who get involved in something that they feel they're trapped in, and they don't know that there's help available. And, and um, domestic violence can affect anyone. And of course, it's most common amongst women, but uh, who feel trapped in a relationship where they feel that the provider is there, and if they can't take him off, and he can do anything he wants to. Uh, the woman in, in the relationship, but it also affects you know men, and it, it, and talking to uh, mutual ground, they said it's about five percent men, but uh, I, I think nationally it's higher than that. The statistic is higher than that, but still, the point I'm trying to make here though is that there is help available, and it could be simply uh, a matter of counseling and to know what can be done about the relationship and they will, Mutual Ground will pull in people and talk to them and say, look, uh, this relationship is not working out, but here's what you can do to, to fix it. Or it can be, if it becomes violent, it can, they can uh, put the uh, spouse who's being battered in a temporary housing. Mm. So yeah, this the point I'm trying to make though is that there is help available and awareness is the thing that needs to be spread that there is help available. And most churches uh, know about uh, safe houses and a mutual ground. I believe they they service uh, uh, the surrounding area besides Aurora. They are located in Aurora in a, a beautiful old mansion that was donated to them, but. Uh, uh, they, serve, they, they, um, they, they service Aurora, Naperville, and, and, and other towns in the surrounding area. But the, the biggest problem that they're having in the state of Illinois is the lack of funding because they were getting uh, funds from Illinois, and I don't want to be too political, but a lot of those funds have been cut back dramatically. And so their services have to be cut back dramatically. So um, one the things I feel I got to do besides provide them uh, uh, monetarily with donations is spread the word that there's help available. And it's amazing when we, we go out and do estimates and we talk about mutual ground that the look on people's faces, you know, my neighbor's having a problem. They don't say this, of course, but you can see that on their, on, on, on their face. And they take this information to their neighbor. They take it to their relatives that or maybe themselves. We don't interject ourselves into that conversation, but we just want to make sure that people know that they can seek help, and that's the most important part. So, Kristen, you're also you also have a not-for-profit, and then you're also now on the board of Miss Molly. So, yes. congratulations on going to the board. Let's talk a bit about Miss Molly before you tell us about um, your. Uh, local not-for-profit you help. 
so the Miss Molly Foundation started, oh my goodness, almost at the, at the inception mm-hmm. of Molly Made um, by Dave McKinnon's wife. And she recognized that in our business there are a lot of women who tend to be, for whatever reason, affected by domestic violence. Um, when we were shopping for franchises, one of the things I said to my husband is, I like that this franchise has a, fa- has a um, non-for-profit. I really appreciate the fact that it is for domestic violence. Um, my immediate family has three generations, including myself, that were victims of domestic violence, which is why I was so passionate about it. Um, back when it happened to me, there wasn't a lot of resources available. And um, luckily, my girlfriend's, uh, my best friend's uh, husband at the time was a policeman, and he's the one who said, listen, here's how things progress. If you don't leave now, you're not going to survive the next yeah. attack, yeah. you know, and things that are really weird, you know, people, people tend to think that it has to do with an income level or a demographic, you know, when the police busted in my place in Lumbar, there were bullets all over the place, they confiscated two guns, I mean, it was some serious business, and um, I don't typically talk about it, but since we were talking about the Ms. Molly Foundation and how serious it really is, that was one of my things that really drew me in. And really, since the day I joined the franchise, I said, I'm going to be on the board, and I want to make a difference, and I want to make sure that people understand that it is not okay, and it affects, you know, I am a white female. I don't live in an impoverished community. I'm not a minority. I'm not what most people consider to be a stereotypical woman who gets in those situations, but I got there. And... The key, as Ray said, is knowing that you have somewhere to go. When I called to find help, there was no help. And so when we opened our franchise, the first thing I did was find um, a shelter that wanted some support. And we started with Family Shelter Service out of Wheaton. And um, we're currently right now, we donate goods to them at their resale shops. And then we donate our money to... um, Oh my gosh, you got me all confused here. I got to think about it. <laughs> and Roselle to um, Family Shelter Services, and they provide housing to women who've already worked their way through. So, Family Shelter Service takes them right out of the 911 emergency situation, helps them and their kids get to a mm-hmm. safe place, helps make sure the kids can continue on with their lives, provides food, clothing counseling, free legal services to help them get through the really ugly stuff. And then family shelter service comes in at the end where the women have um, resigned themselves that they are not going back into that situation and they want it, they're okay with being alone and they have their children and they're ready to move out on their own. And family shelter service has several apartments that are furnished that um, every year they do Christmas gifts for the children. Um, you go out and shop for whatever is on the list, like a secret Santa, and um, they help women, if you're a coach for them, learn how to balance your checkbook. Um, all kinds of things that maybe in one case, this um, Indian woman had five children, and she came to this country for a better life, but her husband was still living by some very old standards, and when she finally was able to get the courage to break free. She didn't know anything about banking. She didn't know how to pay bills. She didn't know anything. And so 
Um, family Shelter Service takes them from the point where they're no longer in a dire situation, but yet still in a bad enough situation that they need some life coaching. And so we work for both of those organizations or give to both of those organizations in hopes that we can help other women. And, and I do want to make a point, like to raise point, there are a lot of, as the um, nation becomes more and more, whether you accept it or not, aware that um, there are more and more relationships that may not be heterosexual relationships. It happens a lot in homosexual relationships as well. Like partners, they go through the same thing that males and females go through. And so um, I have several friends that I know have gone through some really rough relationships. And um, a lot of times we don't talk about that, but um, that's probably even more of an issue than we have documented. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so you you said that in your case, um, literally a friend's husband who was a cop who had to, had to come in and say, look it, if you don't do something, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Why do you think you needed to have that person come and say that to you? You know, I think that, um, especially if you're a strong personality like I am, you know, I never played the victim card. And so when things were going on, like crazy things, I would be like, oh, if you think that's going to make you a man, oh, okay, right, so you're the tougher guy now, right? And so because I would get lippy, things would escalate faster instead of being the one that, you know, runs down the street, you know. Um, but it, and, I, and I do think there's a lot to be said, and people have to really think about this. You know, my, grand, my grandmother was a victim. My mom was a victim. She'll never admit it, but she was. Um, and so you tend to kind of fall into those patterns. I don't think you intended to be that way. And I didn't realize how dire my grandmother's situation was until my grandfather passed, and then my grandmother's passed. So um, it's not like she's been calling out at me for sharing the story, but um, there just wasn't any help then. And so for me, when he said, hey, let me tell you about the progression. You know, A, you already survived gunpoint, right? Now you're up against someone choking you to the point where you weren't sure if you were going to make it your next step is it's going to end so you've got to decide what you're going to do and um you know the only thing i re i regret and uh you know i still you know i talk to these women who go through it and i tell them to do what i didn't do and that's to make sure you press charges because if you don't they never are punished for what they did and they're free to do it again and again now, I know he, in my case, can no longer ever buy a gun in Illinois, at least legally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that he can't hurt somebody else. So now he has three children, and he's remarried, and who's to say? You know. So I, that's the one regret I have is not pressing charges and making sure that it was on his record so that his current wife was warned that this is what's brewing, you know? And if you've ever been inside of a situation like it, you know, it's, um, you can see the shift, right? Someone's there with you one minute, and the next minute, the eyes go totally black. Mm-hmm. It's not them anymore. Mm-hmm. And then so, it's fans. Uh, so yep. what you're saying is you should have pressed charges totally. and not just shot them in the kneecap. Yeah, really. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I it, part of it was his family. You know, I didn't want to bring shame to his family by having charges pressed and in some sick weird place in my head I thought oh you know we can get past this we've gotten past it before because mm-hmm. we had 
And, um, you know, the first time, shame on me. Next time, shame on you. And the third time, it's like, okay, we're out. And so that's literally, you know, where it got to. So for me, it's very personal, and I shared way more than I ever intended to. But I do hope that people understand that it truly is one in every four women, if they have not been affected, they know someone who has. Either a friend or family member or coworker. It's a very real issue. Um, I think it was great when the NFL did this no more thing. I am saddened and a little frustrated that they did it only when their players were in the news, and now all of a sudden you don't see those campaigns anymore. And um, I just think that's a shame that all of a sudden, as the news kind of fell off of that track, so did they. So. So changing topics a bit, um, most of the franchisee owners I run into are men. Um, there are some couples, so you're kind of, uh, I won't say unique, but you're much more rare as a woman franchise owner. What are some of the pitfalls or obstacles that you run into on your way to being successful? And marketing's not one of those answers. <laughs> <laughs> well... So I probably had the, the hardest time working in um, a home improvement industry for 15 years and being one of very few females in leadership. That was very challenging. So coming into an environment like this, um, to me, was not nearly as challenging. Um, I think for me, the hard part is looking at some of my girls who are going through some of the same things. You know, I had a girl call in sick to work because she had just had a baby and she was beaten while she was pregnant. And she had a one-year-old baby and they're walking downstairs and her baby daddy pushed her and she fell with the baby onto the concrete. So me, okay, so some, stereotypically speaking, women are more emotional, right, than men, some say. I don't think that's always true, but... So I reacted probably a little differently than someone else might. And, um, you know, we made sure that we provided her with the right people to call to get the right legal help, to get the right medical care. Um, I am not afraid of sharing my story with my girls because they need to know that if something's not right, they can come to me and say, you know what, I'm having a really hard time right now, and the reason I didn't come to work is because I have bruises on my arm, mm -hmm. and I don't want anybody to see them. And know that I would direct them. They're not required, but give them at least the resources. If they want them, they have them. And we've had, in the 11 years, we've had three girls that have been in really bad, bad situations. Well, you've had a couple of people in bad situations too, haven't you? We almost fired somebody until we found out that she was in a bad relationship. And then, of course, we opened up our hearts and, and our resources to that person. But, uh, yes, we, we know for a fact that uh, because of our relationship with uh, our Miss Valley Foundation and Mutual Ground, we have helped not only clients but employees because it does affect a lot of people. And I think the unfortunate thing about it is most people – don't want to talk about it at all. They want to, it's just something that, no, this is private. I don't want to talk. And, and for Kristen to share that is, is 
fantastic, I think, because... I had champagne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little uh, lubrication. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, the story needs to be told, and that's the thing that people have to understand. And it's not to jump on this whole Weinstein Me Too mm -hmm. business, because, you know, whatever, that's a whole other subject. But you have, like, you guys talked about being real, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be real, and you have to be genuine, and yep. let's... let's genuine. Yes. Everybody's got a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I certainly hadn't heard that story before. It's not like you, you <laughs> yeah, out, tell you. Uh, on the street corner. Start, you know, I hope I'm not on the street corner. For God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> different franchise. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, it, it is unfortunate that people do not want to talk about. It. And like I said, this employee kept on coming to work, uh, but uh, she was beginning to miss more work and miss more work, and uh, we finally found out that uh, she was having problems at home. And that, and definitely, uh, we looked at it from a different perspective and different light from that point forward and tried to offer as much as we could to, to her to help her out. And, uh, you know, things uh, mm. did work out eventually for her. But the, the fact that this, this light needs to be shed on this, and it's very difficult to do because this is something that people want to harbor within themselves and, and not... You know, it's embarrassing, know. right? You're weak. If you let that happen to you, how can you let that happen to you? You yeah, must be weak. That, that is exactly, as especially, you know, the numbers are low on the male side because males don't let that happen to them, Yeah. you know. And, yeah. But it does well, happen. It does them. happen. And the, they just keep it a secret. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So we got a couple of minutes left. And Ooh, we got heavy there for a minute. But I want to just point out quickly that that is part of being a small business owner is understanding not just the people you serve, but the people that work for you, Absolutely. the challenges they face, and making sure that you provide an environment in which people want to stay with you mm -hmm. because they know that you care about them, you understand their lives. And that you're there to support them. Yep. I mean, yep. that's, that's the only way you can do important. it. You got to know where you're. Uh, Doesn't matter. Bread is buttered on, and then yeah. it's definitely from the employees. And and uh, I think both Chris and I look at our employees as our bread and butter. And uh, once they begin to realize that, then you're. Uh, this is your safe house, right? Yeah, their safe house. <laughs> and I, I know I've talked about this before. But I have had an employee come to me and, and say, the best part of my day is coming to work in the morning. And I said, what? <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> I agree with that. How, yeah. can, how can that be? You know, you're going to work. Nobody wants to go to work. But then she began to explain how she's, when she walks in here in the morning and she's amongst friends and she can talk freely about anything she wants to and she's like mm -hmm. laughing and giggling and, and carrying on is all part of that. But at the end of the day, when she's done with work, now her work really begins right. because now she's got to provide dinner for her children, make sure they're fed, make sure that the groceries are there, make sure that the uh, kids are, are, are uh, their schooling is taken care of and, and the husband is taken care of. The work begins at the end of the day for a lot of these people. If the economy's going to be built on small business, really small businesses understand these things. Yes. Because you'll never become a bigger business if you don't. Okay, so we started out the show talking about <laughs> transitioning out. Of, oh, my. <laughs> and so now we're back. We, we, we've gone from what we're going to do at the end, which is transition out of our successful business, and, and we've got a whole bunch of things um, Sorry. to the beginning. Mm -hmm. No, this is, this is wonderful. So I'll ask you, um, 
what advice would you each give to somebody that is thinking about going into a franchise? Or a small business for that matter, besides don't. I would never say don't. Besides besides being adequately capitalized, uh, of course that's important, but that's the nuts and bolts of it. I think that once you, if you concentrate on the dollar too much, I've seen a lot of businesses fail because that's all the people could do is concentrate on how much they can make and what they're going to get out of it instead of what benefit they're going to provide to their employees and, and the people in their community. I think that becomes much more important. And not concentrating on the bottom line too much, but concentrating on what you can do for your community is much more important. Ooh, back to the community. It sounds so warm and fuzzy, right? Mm-hmm. And all of the accountants out there are going, what? That's not, that's not going to pay the bills. <laughs> and the lawyers are saying, I can't enforce that in the FTD. Right, right. Financial disclosure documents. Yes. Those who don't know what an FTD is. But oddly enough, really, I mean, if you understand, I want to use different pillars, right? Okay. So I want to have more like HR type pillars, and I don't know what they are yet, but I've got them going around in my head. Um, There are really a lot of things, if you're going to own a business, that you have to be educated on, trained on, aware of, that a lot of people consider to be the warm, fuzzy stuff of the business, but it's the stuff that can cost you a lot of money down the road if you don't do those things before. It's making that stupid HR mistake. Mm -hmm. It's saying that dumb thing in an interview that costs you thousands of dollars if you don't know what you're doing. And so, you know, don't jump in just because you had a white collar job and you're really tired of working for the man and you have all this cash sitting in your pocket so you're gonna go out there and be an entrepreneur. It's just not that easy. You know, you can take somebody who doesn't have all that money, who didn't have that extravagant job, but who's more well-versed in the things that really matter, and they will be more successful than the executive who goes out there and and he thinks that he's got the world in his hand because mm-hmm. it's just not that easy. But it's mm-hmm. highly rewarding if you get it right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Steve, what do you know? What would you tell people starting a business, a non-franchise business, but a business nonetheless? Um, That's good. Um, <laughs> well, my own story, not only do I, I love solving problems, so that kind of led me into what I do. I'm more of a technician than an artist, but I wanted a business that I did not have to invest a lot of capital because what I do is intellectual property. Human capital. Uh, I've learned that I did need some money for hardware, software, etc. But it's still a, uh, you know, it's it's intellectual property that's that's important. But the main thing is you gotta love it. You gotta have. Uh, some people use the word passion. I shy away from that word, but. I know what they mean. Mm-hmm. You know, you have you have to love what you're doing, and uh, I did it as a hobby 20 years ago. You know, 15 years before I ever thought of doing it for a living. I mean, I built websites just to entertain myself. Which how goofy would that be? You know, so uh, you gotta love doing it first. And uh, you know, as the Bible says, uh, be of service to others. Yes. Yes. Important. 
So we've had a great discussion as we've launched the Pillars of Franchising website. Um, make sure you go there, www.pillarsoffranchising.com. Twitter, Twitter account coming soon, as well as a Facebook page, and eventually you'll see us everywhere. <laughs> Next week at uh, 4 p.m. Central, it will be the Jane Brent costume um, coming at it from franchising from a couple point of view. As always, this is Fred McMurray and Ray Pillar on the Pillars of Franchising. Thanking Kristen and Steve, our guests, for the website launch. And we're out of here, folks. Cheers.